Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Graycourt, South Carolina. He is the host of the Speaking Sessions podcast. He is the author of Mindset Over Motivation. He is a speaker and speaking coach that started a free community with hundreds of people who aspire to become better speakers and gain confidence in public speaking. He is known for his positive and go-getter personality. I'm sure you will all see that very soon. Welcome to the show, my new friend, Philip Sessions. Hey, Philip. What's going on, Jonathan? (laughs) Man, this has been a great day. It has been. Beautiful weather out right now. Not too cold, not too warm. Uh, Ready for it to get a little bit warmer, though, but it's been a great day. Well, listen, man, I want to jump right in because you have a very interesting story, Philip. You've you've been an engineer for and a technician for almost a decade, and you decide that you're going to write this book. You want to start coaching people through public speaking. What transpired? What inspired this whole? uh, I mean, for me, it seems like it's a change or a transition. Is it or is it just another level to what you were already doing? It's definitely a transition from what I do full time. Then this really stems back to when I was getting ready to finish college. I was on my second semester. I had to take three to finish my senior year. So I did a half of a victory lap, if you will. And well, that's when I realized because fitness was becoming a big thing. I really got into fitness and I thought, you know, I really want to do that but I'm here at the end of my degree. Why would I try and change and go and do personal training? So I'll go ahead and move forward, finish up the electrical engineering degree and go on and get a job and I can make more money doing that. And long story short, I've kind of bounced around to several different places. I started in San Antonio, Texas, moved to the Houston, Texas area, moved out to South Carolina, the Seneca Clemson area, if you will. Most people know Clemson, maybe not Seneca right next door to it. Then I moved down to Georgia, Statesboro area, just north of Savannah, and then back over here to Greenville. And eventually, after some independent contract work and everything, got on full time at BMW Manufacturing, where I program control systems. So I started by programming the control systems, which is the robots and everything that build the cars. So the X3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, and now XM models uh, are built at Plant Spartanburg, where I work at. But I've switched over to the logistics side, doing logistics automation. And so I've had this heavy background within electrical engineering, controls, programming, all of that good stuff. But I always had this aspiration to do more than that, to Mm -hmm. talk to more than just robots. And that really goes back to whenever I was getting ready to finish college that I had this spark and I decided to put that flame out. I said, no, not right now. I don't need to do that. And it just kept eating at me and eating at me and eating at me and decided to get into self-development. I started a podcast on healthy living and that's where the whole fitness thing started coming back in. And that was about yeah. four years ago. I started that. And yeah. then about 
a little over a little under two years ago, actually had an opportunity within HR to do it with at BMW to be able to do some leadership and professional development. And at that point, I started realizing, you know what? Fitness is fun for me. I love it. I'm passionate about it but I'm not necessarily passionate about helping other people with that. And not to mention, I didn't feel like I could make the impact with the fitness. Like maybe I could with leadership, which is why I took this role in HR. It came up and having written a book now. And at that point I had written a book. I had a podcast. I had all these things outside of my quote unquote job experience with my nine to five world that really helped me be able to get that job. And within that job, there was this presentation skills development that they wanted me to create a curriculum for the lower level leadership at BMW and then eventually for the professionals as well. And that sparked a thing in me. I had some imposter syndrome saying, you know what? You've never been a titled leader. I've always kind of led without authority and all of this stuff and led in certain situations. But I never had that title of leader or manager or anything like that. I was always just the engineer, the technical person. So I had some imposter syndrome and I was getting his presentation skills and suddenly clicked, said, you know what? I want to be on stage. I want to be able to help people. And clearly BMW has this need. I know other companies have the same exact need. And that's where I really dove into the whole speaking portion. And here the last few months, especially, is where I've really niched down even more into, well, and now I call it communications instead of speaking and communications for leaders because of the fact that everybody, when they think of speaking, and I still talk about stages and everything, but when I say speaking coach, a lot of people say, oh, I mean, I don't want to get on stage. I know I need to get better at speaking, but I don't want to get on stage. And like that's only one aspect to it. There's so right. many other aspects to your speaking, your communication. So I say communication a lot more now than speaking itself, just because of the connotation behind it, which we could go into a whole story about that because that words matter so much. But through that job at HR, and now I'm back in engineering because of business needs there and my desire to be on stages and just taking that action to go after that desire I had is really what's gotten me around to doing this. And what the thing I kind of alluded to, but I always say is that I can speak to robots, but I like speaking to humans <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. You uh, and you even started up your own health uh, company wants it, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it was called Healthy Living Sessions. So everybody tells me I've got the best name or names in the world because I've got Philip. So you can go, you know, I don't fill up on food, whatever, things like that. <laughs> and then you've got sessions, like everything can just end with sessions, healthy living yeah. sessions. Now I've got speaking sessions, yeah. coaching sessions with Philip sessions. Like there's, yeah. it's unlimited with my last name. So it is a cool last name. But yeah, I was healthy living sessions and now it's speaking sessions. So can you speak to from the these, it feels like, again, engineers aren't typically known for, I want to go out there and speak. I want to go out there and, you know, be a personal trainer. Uh, how did you, were, were there internal struggles between these two things that you were, or, or challenges that you had to overcome as you were making these transitions? Can you speak to some of that? So I'll I'll kind of back that up a little bit. So there's always this thing within engineering that your three main engineerings are civil, mechanical, and electrical. They always say that civil, or I say they always say that 
the joke kind of has went around that civil are usually not as smart as mechanical engineers, but then yeah, my father-in-law is a civil engineer. So I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you, but you know what they do. And then it, because they're bridges and buildings and then you've got yeah. your mechanical engineers and it's like, okay, yeah, they're pretty smart too. They're a little bit smarter. They're a little bit more outgoing and everything. And they do motors and things of that nature, mechanical stuff in nature. Yeah. And then you have the electrical engineers and it's just, wow, you must be really smart. Nobody knows what electrical engineer does. And not to mention that all electrical engineers pretty much want to just be behind the scenes and behind the computer and they don't want to be seen. And so I have this whole contradiction within me that I'm all about being in front of people, right. all about talking to others and collaborating and connecting. But I do have that background. And that's really the struggle I have because I have the technical capabilities and not everybody has the technical capabilities. And anybody that knows about controls engineers, every one of us gets LinkedIn recruiters and all sorts of recruiters contacting us all the time. I get people contacting me about resumes that are five or 10 years old. Well, maybe not quite 10, but they're at least five years old. I'm like, I haven't lived in Texas in eight years. Wow. Why are you calling me from Texas? This is crazy. Yeah. But they're just dying for controls engineers. So I, I have this con this trouble because of my technical background people don't want to lose that of me but then i have this great asset that i can speak well and from an engineering perspective a lot can't speak well but unfortunately especially at bmw right now and there's some other stipulations with that but the manager roles are already kind of filled and everything. And so right. they really just need the engineers, which is part of why when I left for HR, they asked me to come back because of business needs, because they needed that technical person. So I had that struggle there within a corporate world. And I've actually been struggling with that too, within my business. And I'm really starting to lean back into it because I wanted to get away from the manufacturing and stay away from all that. But I'm realizing that's really my superpower because I yeah. can relate with those technical people. I can relate with those engineers. I can help bridge that gap between the leadership that is non-technical or even the technical leadership that has lost a lot of that technical capability because they've been on the leadership side for so long and be able to bridge that gap to the technical people or the people that are doing more of the day-to-day the -day work that makes the business run. And so I'm really leaning back into that, even though I was really trying to push myself away from that and go more towards entrepreneurs and trades industries and everything like that. You feel like you had this ability to speak even when you were younger, when you were a kid or a teenager, or is it something that you had to learn and develop? Oh, I had to learn and develop it back in third, back in third grade. I missed a day of school, which I think will go to the nerdiness of me. But I missed a day of school. And the next day I come in and I ask the teacher, hey, what did I miss? She turns to me, she says, you weren't here yesterday. I had no clue because wow. I never talked. It wasn't until high school that I started coming out of my shell. And then college, I came out of my shell even more. And I just continue to come out of my shell more and more and more, which really goes back to that self-development. Yeah. It was so important for me to push myself out of my comfort zone and out of these boundaries that I had on myself. And that's where speaking really came in to help me out because I was afraid to speak in front of people. 
especially women. I didn't want to talk to women at all, even though I knew I wanted to get married. I would never yeah. talk to them. And finally, I got out of that. I'm married now and everything. Congrats. So I don't have to worry about that aspect anymore. But I was always nervous to go speak in front of people, but I found it to be a superpower as I mean, I'm still in my nine to five right now. And people I talk to, they're afraid to go talk to some of the managers. I just say, hey, let's go get a coffee. would love to talk to you about this. And I've had a couple that maybe weren't the nicest about it. And I've had others like, yeah, that's fine. I even had the uh, VP of the company, you know, there's several VPs there, but the VP happened to get connected with him through LinkedIn posting. And we saw each other and, Hey, I've seen your podcast, but it was a LinkedIn post. What I found out later, but because of me putting myself out on social media and be willing to speak with people and not sounding like I'm nervous as could be, these leaders are willing to talk with me and everything. Yeah. So tell me about this. How does how does one come out of your shell? Let's there there are so many people uh, because I do a lot of consulting for tech companies mm-hmm. and I I see it. I see these engineers that that they love. They've got their own little world and they do. They're in their own bubble. They're in their own circle. How does somebody expand that shell? How does somebody break out of that shell? You've done it. How do you do it? Yeah, well, I'll this is kind of going into what I'm going to mention, but hearing you say that sounds like we need to go talk about that later. We'll talk about that offline, but finding little things like that. Like I just found that now we can go talk about that when you're in that conversation to help you. But at the end of the day, it's just about doing it. I actually, you, you mentioned about this, Mike, Well, let's go ahead and jump forward into the topic. Let's go ahead and jump forward. The topic today is take action, right? All right. All right. Is that is that what you were wanting to jump into? Start talking that, about that's that? Pretty, well, I mean, I wasn't trying to jump into that directly, but that's pretty much <laughs> at the end of the day. It's the most frustrating thing, but it just comes down to taking action. If you have something on your mind, go take action. And I'll give you two little stories. One was whenever I worked at this golf course in Bernie, Texas. It's B-O-E-R-N-E. It's it looks like born E, but it's Bernie for yeah. those that aren't from that area. It's north of San Antonio, Texas. But this guy was telling me, because I was just nervous, a nervous wreck around these girls. And he said, if you have in your mind that you want to talk to that girl, three seconds. If you think more than three seconds, you're not going to do it. So just say, oh, that girl's good looking. I want to talk to her. Just go right over there. Take action right now. Don't sit there and wait and think about it. And what's the best approach? Just take action. And he went on to tell me some other things about that. But the biggest thing was taking action. And you asked me about my mic before the show. I bought this mic and I sat on it for six months as I bought it. I was going to start a podcast and I sat on it for six months without doing anything. I went to this event and one, this one guy that was there, he's moved on from the Greenville area and actually I bought it when I was in Georgia, brought it with me when I moved back to Greenville. And then I finally started the podcast after asking this guy, Hey, how do you start a podcast? Just start. That was his advice to me. Just start. And then he went on to kind of say some other stuff. But at the end of the day, basically, it's just getting started and really help you because I know that's like the worst advice ever. You're like, okay, I get it. I need to just start. I, I know that. Yeah. So find some topics that you can talk about. Find that real why, that thing that you're passionate about and start with that. Start with can be yourself. It can be just literally talking about food. I know 10 years ago when Instagram started, everybody was taking pictures of their food, but find something that you can talk about. Talk about your dog, your spouse, your kids, 
your job. Talk about anything that you are comfortable with talking about to start. Right. You don't yeah. need to start talking about the next greatest investment. Uh, you don't need to talk about quantum physics unless you're really smart and good at that. I would still maybe not suggest that for social media because you're going to have very limited market there. But then again, I'm putting self-limiting beliefs on you. So start with what you're comfortable with, what you really know a lot about, and that you already have confidence in that knowledge, because that's a big piece that a lot of people fear is that, well, I'm going to sound stupid. Maybe I don't know everything. And here's the other thing. If you have pretty much, if you've read two books on something, you know more than probably 90% of people. Right. And if you've spent lots of time, read lots of books, you've done lots of studying, watch YouTube videos, whatever your way to learn, you're going to know more than people probably have a degree in that field. So as long as you know, or if you're one step ahead of the people that you're speaking to, that's all it takes. You don't have to know everything. If there's right. anything I've learned from engineering is that, Basically, you're faking it until you make it. You're you have no clue what's going on. You have no clue how to get the solution, but you just start with what you do know. Start with, okay, here's the problem. Here's what happened when we got the problem. And you just start working through stuff until you finally fix it. <laughs> I think that, finally- I think one of the sad things, Philip, is that there are people out there who know who have knowledge who mm-hmm. aren't who aren't sharing it, who aren't because of this, like you mentioned earlier, the imposter syndrome, do I, am I a leader or whatever, but there's people on the opposite end of the spectrum who have zero knowledge. And, and I'll, you said, be careful because you may not know if you don't know enough, there's people out there that are sharing and they don't know anything about what they're saying. And they've got million followers yes. because they sometimes in this world. And it's one of the reasons I started this podcast, people who have, who say stupid things, they're just inciting responses, right? The more responses I get, I don't care if it's, it's kind of like that kid who didn't care if he got negative attention, as long as he got attention. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you actually know something, get out there and share that because people need to hear the actual truth. They don't need to hear some fake stuff or, or half baked truth because somebody kind of knows it, but they don't really know everything. And you don't need to know everything either. Just share what you do know for a fact, and you will learn the things along the way that you need to learn. I'm sure this has happened with you with your podcast. At first, you didn't know what you were doing, and you started kind of doing it, and you figured out the things that you needed to figure out after that. Yeah, I got almost the exact same advice you did when I was talking about starting a podcast. My brother-in-law just said, just get started. Just do it. And yeah. yeah, he even offered to be my first guest and I said, well, let's do this thing. Mm. Uh, I told him, I told him, man, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking, and he knew I'm a thinker. I'm a perfectionist mm-hmm. at heart. I want to, let me think, let me plan. And he was like, dude, just do it. Just get started. Just do it. Yeah. Um, and so very thankful. Uh, shout out to Gary Gaffney. Uh, really appreciate that. He, he's given me a lot of great advice over the years. And I'll tell you, going back to speaking to, speaking to the, the other sex, right. Speaking to females, mm-hmm. speaking to women, uh, one of my, my brother gave me a piece of advice when I was in college and I was very, sh- I don't, I don't know if I was shy, but I didn't, I'd never really asked a girl out. I didn't know how mm-hmm. to, I mean, I, I'd, I'd gone out qu- air quotes with girls in high school, but never really. Yeah. Um, and my brother looked at me and, and said, Jonathan, have you ever asked a girl out and had her laugh at you and say, why the hell would I ever go out with a guy like you? And I said, no, I mean, I was shocked. I was like, no, hopefully that'll never happen. And he said, well, then you just haven't asked out enough girls. 
<laughs> man that's funny but so, yeah and the other side to that too is that, that i had some friends tell me about and it still took a while for me to finally just get over it but it's like hey what's the worst thing that happened if you don't talk to that girl you're not going on a date with her if you go talk to that girl she says no you're in the same state you were but at least now you know but if she says yes then you got what right. you wanted right so you just need to go and take action on that don't sit there and oh poor me i can't get anything to happen you didn't do anything go right. take some action <laughs> and taking action taking action just in and of itself creates this confidence in you the fact that you took took action and you crossed that threshold all of a sudden you've got more confidence and really that's what's sexy anyway is confidence is sexy yeah oh yeah 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 it's sexy for both sexes not just one right. way right uh, that confidence is a huge thing which we can go back into the speaking with that. If you have confidence when you speak, people are going to listen to you more. You can have yeah. the greatest product or service. You can have all of the information that's 100% correct that people need to hear. If you don't sound confident, they're not going to believe you. They're going to think, ah, you know what? I don't know if Philip or Jonathan really knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll just we'll wait and see if we can figure out some more information before we move forward or oh, that product or service probably isn't that good because they're not confident in it. So you have to be confident. And this is really why we see salespeople be so confident. The ones that are really good. It's just like, what in the world do you think they walk on water? Just how confident they are is they yeah. realized they have to be confident for the customer to be confident in their product or service. Mm. So it right. all at the end goes of the day, product. Confidence. I love when people say products and service sells itself. No, people don't buy no. a product and service. They they're buying a solution. They're buying a person. They're buying mm -hmm. they're buying the safety or they're buying the the intangible thing that that product or service gets them. Yeah. And if the if the salesperson can give that to them in the confidence, then that's what they'll buy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, maybe well, if you have like a software as a service, such as like a Zoom or something like that, and you're this big name now, this big company, it kind of sells itself. But for a small business owner, right, it's not selling itself. You have to go sell that product. So you need yeah. to be confident in that for sure. Yep. And uh, so I'm all about planning. I love making plans. I, <laughs> I, I can't just take action haphazardly, especially when it's something important like. Uh, you know, you and I talked about tra transferring to video and stuff like that. Um, and you're like, just do it. You gave me the same, <laughs> but just, just do it. Just throw a video up and, and it'll get better over time. Uh, but how, when do you, how can you figure out, how do you judge when the planning needs to stop and the action needs to start? I can't tell you that. I basically, uh, that's, that's how I've always been is just take action at this point. I used to overthink so for you, it's, everything. It's not about planning ahead of time. It's about planning while you're doing it. Just just take action and I'll fix it as there, I'm going. There's a little bit there. I mean, I'm not super detailed planner. I have and I have this unique ability that I can kind of see several steps ahead. I'm not a good chess player or anything like that, but I can see a few steps ahead or I can work through really quickly in my head. Will this work? Why won't this work? What's going to happen? And I don't know if that's my engineering background or what, but I've always kind of had this unique ability to do that. So I can kind of see where I want to go, see where things can go. And if we do certain things, what may or may not happen, I'm not hundred percent correct on that, but usually that's what I do. And I guess I'm very optimistic as well. So I have an idea of where I want to go and what 
couple steps I need to do. And I just start taking action on that. I may not know the whole path, but I just take action. I don't plan out because I'll sit there and not do anything. I guess it really goes back to the whole analogy or the story I mentioned with going and talking to the girl rather than thinking through everything. And now it's six months later, like I do in my podcast too, where I didn't start it rather than just starting and figuring out as we go. Yeah. I could have been six months ahead. And I look back on videos now from three years ago. I'm like, man, I was not that good compared to where I'm at now. And three years from now, I'm going to say the same thing, but it's because I started taking action. I didn't worry about if I was good or anything like that. So it depends on the person. I've had a couple of clients that they're very, they've got to know every little detail. They've got to have their message down completely packed, like the script written out. They've practiced it hundreds of times. And so it really just comes down to you at the end of the day, but you still need to take some kind of action. And and so I, I try and find that happy medium for people like you who are all about getting everything in line and figure out, okay, what are the major milestones or the big rocks that you need to get done? And if you don't know the little details, let's not worry about that because you're going to figure that out as you go. Yeah. Going back to my, how I started this business. Now I started in fitness coaching and then I realized over time, you know what, this isn't for me. And I had that thought on my head, have I not given it enough time? And I really thought about the impact more than anything. And that's where I started, okay, what am I going to do? I started trying to shift and I keep just molding over time and shift, you know, making minor tweaks as I go along. And like I said, it started out like speaking coaching and now it's leadership communications because I realized about the speaking aspect that people, when they think of speaking, they think about getting on stages. But when you think of communication, you think about talking like you and I are doing in a meeting and a presentation and things like that. And so that's where I really shifted that. But then also focusing on the leaders because I realized I need to lean into the superpower of my engineering and manufacturing background and put that in to the leaders there for those manufacturing environments rather than trying to go off into this entrepreneur realm, which I've learned a lot about from self-development books, masterminds and things like that. But finding, as I'll say for those that really try and plan out that you want to start taking some action, get the big chunks that you know you're going to have to face and get those set up and ready to go and planned out and the little details just don't worry about them i know that's you're like ah, i can't I think, do that i can't do that i think a good answer but, too philip and i think that what what you just said struck something in me is mm-hmm. if it's not an end of the world game changer thing like if if it's something that you can get better you you have the uh ability to mess up and it's not the end of the world yeah. And just just do it the first thing right just do it and and yeah. and get better through every iteration um if it is a game changer then yes do put some planning into it if it's yeah if it's i've only got one shot at this and if i mess it up then nope then we're we're done then yeah, yeah. put a little thought into it put a little game planning but otherwise just just go out there and do something if it's not that uh game changing or or end of the world type of scenario um yeah, so, yeah, for sure. And that, that's some of what we do, like with the programming that we do, we'll have, we'll make a backup. So here's where it was when we got here and then we'll go make our changes and we'll test it out. And if things just went to crap and it's not going to work out, we go right back to the backup because we're not going to cause downtime. 
Right. So that's something you could do as well. Like where, where is your baseline? Now let's try and push up and then say, oh, okay, maybe we don't go all the way back to that original baseline, but maybe we go halfway because we know at this point we were good. And then now you've raised your baseline up a little bit and you continue to make those little steps one step at a time and don't think about 10 steps out as well. And that's something also I do. I have my big game plan, this, this, 30,000 foot view. And then I break it down into bite-sized chunks and I work on those bite-sized chunks and I get one thing at a time done. And I don't focus completely on that 30,000 foot view. I'll, you know, expand out and go look at it, but I zoom back in and work on that thing right here and now. And then all of a sudden I'm there and I'm not even zoomed out anymore, but I've got that 30,000 foot view goal or whatever. I get the long-term goal because I took it step step by step. One step at a time, one bite at a time, how you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that something that has helped me throughout life is realizing perfection is a myth anyway. There is nothing under the sun that is perfect. Nothing. There's one, it, it just doesn't exist. And if we're trying to be perfect in our speech, if we're trying to be perfect in our podcast, Joe Rogan has a podcast every now and then. The God of Podcasts. He has a podcast that falls short, you know, falls flat every now and then. Mm-hmm. Even some of his aren't going to be great. When he first started, it wasn't as good as he is now. It's yeah. per- perfection is something we should not chase. We'll drive ourselves crazy. Instead, like you mentioned the word, you said it several times, progress, progress. You move yeah. up one level, you've got a new baseline. You move up one level, you've got a new baseline. And uh, and even progress, you might fall backwards once. Okay, well, get back up, dust yourself off, then move forward. Um, so I think that if, if we can learn to set progress as our goal, not perfection, then that will help people get a lot more sanity, help them just take action. Yes, you're exactly right. And just another example for you, I've heard Ed Milet and some of these other big names on social media talk about the fact that their super ultra curated content typically doesn't do as well as them getting their phone out and just, Hey, what's going on guys. And just having a little conversation on their videos. That's doesn't have all the captions. Doesn't have all the nice, like I said, curated stuff. Yeah, It does better than the curated stuff. So yeah. you don't need everything to be ultra perfect for it to do well. And not to mention, so for you right now, I don't know where you're at on downloads and stuff like that, but if you start putting the video on YouTube, you're probably going to start out with 10, 20 views, maybe if you're lucky, but over time it'll get to be more and more. But right now, when you don't have all the views is the time to suck because think about that. If you're like at a million downloads or a million followers on social media and you're like, you know what, I'm going to start this new thing. That's that would be scary. I would be scared of that too. It's like, man, people are going to judge me. I've got so many people watching. So it's really a blessing if you don't have a huge following and you're starting now, because guess what? It's probably your friends and maybe a couple of random people that are watching. And, hey, you know, that's cool. They already know you. So they're not going to be like, right. oh, my gosh, Jonathan really sucks at this. They're gonna be like, oh, that's cool. You know, Jonathan's doing that. Or maybe they're like, ah, he's annoying. But that's not your target audience anyway. Right. Right. So who cares about that? But over time, you're going to get better. And finally, when you are at the million views on one single video or podcast where whatever you're getting all these views on, you're going to be really good and you're going to be ready for that audience. So just start, take action and you're going to get better over time. When you were speaking, it reminded me of the book Atomic Habits um, that they they talk about this professor and I may butcher it, but I I think he was a professor at University of Florida 
and he was a film photographer or film a photography uh, professor. Mm-hmm. And he had, and this is back in the day when they didn't have digital, they didn't have just snap a hundred pictures and no problem. They had to develop the film. They had to do all that kind of stuff. And he took half of his class left side and he said, Hey, listen, you guys are going to be judged at the end of the semester based on the amount of photos you take. If you have a hundred photos that you've developed, then you get an A, you get nine, 90, you get a B and down from there. And then the other side was you're going to be, you're going to be judged on just one photo, the perfect photo. You just need to put one photo up and we're going to have the best photo. Well, mm. at the end of the semester, the quantity actually produced because they were learning and, and messing up and figuring out lighting and figuring out, you know, how to, how to dunk it and the tank, how to figuring out the chemicals. And they actually ended up with the better quality product than these people who just sat there for the whole semester theorizing on how to build this, how to, how to create the perfect photo. And I know photos can yeah. be subjective, but still it was really cool. And that's a, a true story from a guy in the university of Florida that did that. Yeah, no, that's a great analogy. It's not necessarily about trying to have that one great time that you do something great. It's right. about continually trying. And over time, you get more repetition and you learn the things that work well. You learn the things that don't work well. And eventually you're just good. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I wanted to let, let's sh- let's shift to more uh, speech centric stuff. And we're going to actually, this is almost going to go against the grain of what we just said of taking action. Cause one of your topics recently on your, on your podcast was how to prepare for your next speech or meeting. So right. I want you to speak to that because some, a lot of people are either they're getting ready to go into an interview or they get ready to give a, maybe a, a demo or some kind of just speech. And, and it may not be in front of an audience of 200. It may, may be in front of a, their youth group or something like that. How do you prepare for your next speech or your meeting? Hmm. So I'll have to keep this general and I'll try and give a story with this, but I use what's called the speaking bars method and it's the acronym bars, which the first letter begin with the end in mind. So when you're getting ready for a speech or a meeting or whatever you're getting ready to do, even a conversation, you're going to run through this a lot quicker with a conversation perhaps versus a meeting or a presentation that you're giving, but you really know what is that end goal I have in mind. If I'm going to go into a one-on-one meeting with you, Jonathan, like we did the other day to get ready for this podcast, we had, or you had in mind, you wanted to talk about the podcast and vet me and make sure I was good enough to be on the show, which thankful for that. <laughs> I guess I passed all of the, the filters and the questions and everything. It was, it was an interrogation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you want to begin with that end in mind. So you have this end goal that you know you want to get to within this presentation or this meeting. So no matter what happens, if things get derailed, you know where you need to bring it back to. And this is what really helps build up a lot of that confidence too. Because a lot of us, when we go to speak, we just think, well, I don't really know what to talk about. I'm not sure. And you lose that confidence, but you know where you're trying to get to now. You know what you're going to talk about. You know the purpose behind this meeting or presentation. So begin with that end in mind and then have that audience awareness and understanding. Are you aware of who the audience is? Is it a bunch of executives? Is this a bunch of people that are just workers on the line who are you talking to is such an important thing and understanding where they come from. The way I talk to my daughter, which she's only 16 months, so there's not a lot of conversation there, but the way I talk to her or a five-year-old is way different than what I, how I talk to my wife or I've talked to you or I talked to an adult. 
And the way I talk to a manager is different than the way I would talk to a leader. So I need to understand who they are. And if we're in a technical presentation, I'm going to have to give a lot more details to an engineer than I do to a manager because Mm. the details are going to go over the manager's head or they're not worried about that. So you have to have that audience awareness and understanding. And then remember, it's not about you. When you are presenting, when you are speaking in front of an audience, when you're having that one-on-one conversation, if you are only focused on you, you're probably going to be nervous. Not to mention, it's not going to come off as a genuine conversation because you're only focused on you. So remember that that conversation or that meeting is not about you. It's about your audience. And then finally, serve, which really ties into the remembering it's not about you, but serve in everything that you do. If you're just presenting information, if you're trying to help somebody gain knowledge, whatever that is in that conversation, you want to make sure that you're serving with everything that you do. So at the end of the day, if we are just there for ourselves and we're not trying to serve the other person, that conversation is going to go south very quickly. And so we're going to be way less effective with that. So I'd start with the speaking bars method. Yeah, that's huge. I've never heard the speaking bars method, but I do know that. Well, uh, that's that's my fault. That's my that's my method. I coined. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I guess I need to talk about it more so that other people can know about it. it. You can call it bars (laughs) sessions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I love begin with the end in mind. Audience audience awareness is one thing that I think so many people fall short on Mm -hmm. and and understand, like even taking in mind, who am I speaking to? Yeah. Am I speaking to, am I speaking to uh, the graduating class of high school? Am I speaking to the VPs of, uh, or the CIOs of several different companies? Uh, Because the the IT director is going to want to know different something different than the uh, than the sales staff, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'll put this in there too. If you are speaking to a wide variety, a wide audience variety. Let me get my words right here. So sometimes I don't do well at speaking either. (laughs) But if you're speaking to a, a wide variety in your audience, a wide range of different people. Try not to be generic. It's definitely difficult. And I've been guilty of this. Actually, I just did a workshop to five different countries all at once. I didn't know who all was going to be there. So that's why I ended up staying generic, which is still an excuse. I should have gotten a little bit more specific and just tried to talk to at least one audience member. But that's what you need to do when you are going and speaking in front of people. If you don't know who it's going to be, or if you know it's going to be several different types of people in there, speak to that one person in the audience. Unfortunately, we are never going to be able to reach every single person. Even if they're all engineers or all leaders or whatever, you're not going to reach them all. So really focus on being that one specific person that you want to serve within your message and make sure that they get that information and you're going to relate to them more. But the nice thing with this too, and it, is kind of scary, especially as we start a business or start speaking, is that you're repelling the people that you're not with. And so now you're going to have the people that actually resonate with your message and need to hear your message even more. And that's going to expound. And so you're essentially putting a filter on your message without really trying to filter it and single out a single 
person or a single group of people. But because of that, all of a sudden, you're going to have more eyeballs on you, it's going to feel like, because more people are going to be there to advocate with you. Right. Right. And something that I've done too, if you're speaking to a wide range or a, a different variety of audience is trying to figure out what is the, what is the one or two things they have in common? Is it their yeah. purpose? Is it whatever? And have that in your head as you're, as you're speaking that you can, that it can help drive it and put, like you said, create a, a theor, theoretical or a hypothetical one person that you can speak to and, and build this story behind them. But they may have that, at least that one person has that one thing in common with all these other people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's move on to this, man. I, I want to uh, promote your podcast. Tell me a little bit about that. What should our listeners expect from your podcast? Okay. Well, I want to go back real quick. Just one other thing there. A lot of people, when they think about speaking, they're worried about the ums and the ahs. And I want to say real quick for you that while if you're saying it every other word, the ums and ahs are an issue, but if you're not saying it every other word, it's really not an issue because your message matters way more than how eloquently you speak. You will get better over time. It's going to be okay, but go take that action. So I just want to put that little caveat in there as well that I didn't mention within that speaking bars method. But my podcast is all around speaking and communication. So I talk a lot about business, about entrepreneurship, about leadership, and really take just different aspects of communication and try and give you a really well-rounded view on communication, really help you within your day-to-day life, as well as within your leadership and leading yourself, leading your family, leading your business and everything. And so I do two episodes a week. One on Wednesdays is going to be an interview style. And then on Fridays is more of a tactical one where I come on, do a solo episode. And so it'd be like 40 minutes for the interview and about seven to 10 minutes for the tactical episode. That's awesome. And you've got a long backlog. You've got what, 80 or 90 episodes already, right? Yeah, I just released uh, 83 as of the recording of this podcast I've had out. And so I started it in March of last year. So it's been uh, uh, active for about a year now. And about 20 episodes in is when I decided I was going to go to two a day. And the reason why I did that was so I could get more practice at speaking. Yeah. So that's a little hack for you. If you haven't started a podcast, first of all, you should. If you're interviewing people, it's great. You get to learn a lot. You get to have cool conversations and some free coaching oftentimes too with that. And there's a lot of other great things with podcasts, but something you could do as well is start doing solo episodes so you can practice your speaking more. It's really forcing you to practice it because if you're speaking every week, do you think you're going to get a little bit better? Yes. So do some solo episodes so you can get better at your speaking that way. Well, there you go. That's uh, you gave me something I need to take action on. Do so. There do some go. solo episodes. There we go. Uh, I, did, got, I, man, did, I bet you've gained so many nuggets from your podcast that oh, you could go it. back and share, and which is a huge part of like you learn this. Now you're going to take action on that. Share it with other people. That's you the try best to make way your, to learn. So, so again, this is a tactical question, and maybe it's mm-hmm. way over some people's heads. But do you try to make your one topic line up with what your guests? conversation was or do you just it's a random topic that i wanted to talk about and here's the conversation we had with this guest yeah it's a random topic so it's a it's a random guest that's related around the communication speaking something that i can relate back to it and then it's a random topic i i'm not that detailed as you'll find out as we get to know each other more it it's 
again, another. It blows me away because you're, uh, uh, you're an engineer. I thought engineers were all detailed. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody told me that the other day. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really into the details. They're like, that kind of worries me that you're an electrical engineer and you're not worried about the details. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm more about like, let's make it a working thing and then I'm going to move on. I'm not. I'm not the engineer like that that wants to overdo over engineer something and make it super well oiled and well refined. I'm more of a let's figure out how to get it to work. And once it works, we're good. It's almost a minimal viable product kind of thing. I mean, I'm always working on myself and making myself better. So there's different aspects. It just depends on what it is, whether I do that or not. But right. it's definitely I'm not a huge details person, which is well, that's good. Very ironic. That's good. And I've been in I've been in sales almost my whole life. And I'm way I'm probably got I, I have to overcome perfectionism and detailitis. So we're oh, both man. we both have these weird opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh yeah. all right. So speaking sessions with Philip Sessions, you're right. That is a great last name. It's easy to remember. Uh and they can even find you at speakingsessions.com uh to find the podcast, but it's on every platform. It's on Apple and Spotify and all the big ones, right? Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about your book. Um, what first of all, tell us about it. Like what what is it? Uh, and where can listeners find it? Yeah, so it's mindset over motivation. I wrote it about two years ago, and it's all about mindset. One thing I found out as I got started with my entrepreneurship journey was that I always felt like I needed motivation to make things happen. And then I realized it was really just my mindset and my discipline that really would make anything happen. So as long as I put my mind to it and I kept the discipline, I could make that thing happen over time. And too many people, they want to have all the details. They want to be motivated before they do it. And so I talk a lot about fitness because I was still in that fitness space. I was in that transition point as I wrote that book and so there's a lot of fitness analogies within that and fitness things to relate to some of the topics that I talk about within there. And so one of them was like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym when I'm motivated. Well, I can tell you that anybody that's disciplined with their eating habits and their working out habits that is in great shape, they're probably motivated maybe 10 percent of the time to go to the gym, yeah. but they still go to the gym five to seven days a week. Because yeah. they realize that's what they need to do. And that's essentially what life and business is all about. It's not about being motivated. And so that's what I talk about in the book. It's not about being motivated. It's about really having that discipline at the end of the day and realizing this is what you want and just going after it. And over time, that motivation does start to come in because you start seeing some of those results, which brings in that motivation even more. But when you're first starting a business, it's it's a grind. That's the best yeah. way to really say it. Just feels like you're going nowhere. You're just spinning your wheels and then it starts to get that traction and then it gets exciting and you're getting motivated and you just kind of go in these whole ebbs and flows within business. Well, that's what the Motiv book's about. Motivation is a very tricky thing. And I think there's a lot of times going back to our topic today of taking mm -hmm. action. It's after you've taken the action that the motivation comes in. Yeah. It's not yeah. before some people are, like you said, I'm waiting to be motivated to take this action. No, you've got to take yeah. the action. And then you're, it's almost like you're faking your, like fake it till you make it. You're faking mm -hmm. yourself out. And then the motivation comes. Then you feel like, yeah. wow, I feel like doing what I'm doing right now. Good thing I started mm -hmm. doing it. Um, 
Yeah, I, yeah, and I had somebody I on a pot on my podcast say, be it until you become it, which I think that's a lot better because it's it's kind of the same thing. Because when, when you're saying fake it till you make it, you're faking being this thing until you finally actually make it, but really being it. So what what does whatever your goal, that person that you want to be look like? What are the things that they do and everything? And so you start being that person. If you want to be the well-dressed person, well, you have to start just dressing well. And all of a sudden, wow, you're a well-dressed person. Well, that's that's amazing. I can't believe I put on a suit and now I'm well-dressed. <laughs> but that's essentially what it is. But obviously, it takes a lot longer to make right. it happen. But if you want to be a successful business owner or you want to be a great speaker, you need to start doing good business habits. You need to right. start doing good speaking habits and being that speaker or that business owner. And all of a sudden you just become it. Yeah. And it's just, Hey, how did you get great at speaking? I just started speaking. I started doing videos. We've got this, these great social media platforms. Well, somewhat great. Maybe I shouldn't say great, but they're free still for now. And <laughs> you can get on there and you can do yeah. videos again for free. You can do a podcast for very cheap you can go talk to people all the time. There's mm -hmm. somebody that will listen to you. And even if they don't, just talk anyways. And all of a sudden, you're going to be great. And people are going to want to know, how did you get good at speaking? Well, there's about three years that I spent doing videos. Nobody was watching. I sucked at them. And all of a sudden, I just got good. Overnight success. Yeah, right. Just be it until you become it. So I think that something you said in there sparked a question for me. Um, all right. <laughs> because... I feel like just the speaking alone doesn't necessarily make you a better speaker in my mind, maybe, but I think that I listen to a lot of my speeches. Mm -hmm. I record them. Listen, I, I listen to every one of my podcasts before I put it out. I'm editing it. I'm mm -hmm. in there hands-on editing, listening to the podcast. Do you think that that's what makes someone a better speaker is not just the speaking. I mean, speak that, that can make you a better speaker is just the speaking gets rid of the nerves and stuff, but listening back to it afterwards as kind of a third, uh, taking yourself out of that, first person perspective and being like, was that good or not? You can kind of judge yourself. Do you feel like that helps? Or do you feel like just get, just do the speaking and that's, that's enough. That's actually a really good question. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'll say first and foremost, we are the worst critics of ourselves. We're always going to think that we're not good. So get that out of there. I mean, we do always need to improve and we always can improve, but that is a good way to be able to do it. Go back and watch your videos and take notes of things that maybe you did that you could do better. Something that I'm working on now is putting in more stories and analogies in everything I do. Being an engineer, and this is, I guess, one of the things I still do as an engineer, I'm very factual. I'm very data-driven. And so I've noticed that podcast I've been on and then the videos that I do, it's all like, oh, you ask a question, I pretty much answer it. I might, I'll give some good detail in it, but it's just very straight to the point. And so mm -hmm. now I try and give you that, the point, the data, and then back it up with the story so that you can understand that. And sometimes I just do the story. It just depends on how I'm feeling and what the situation is calling for and everything, but going in there and just finding pieces. So yes, first and foremost, start out with doing video or speaking, whatever it is, that's better than doing nothing. 
But like you said, go back and review your videos and see what things you can work on and do some research. Go find other videos on YouTube that are related to speaking or listen to my podcast. Yeah, so listen to your more. podcast, right? <laughs> learn more about speaking so you can go and apply those tips to your speeches and just continue to refine yourself and continue to learn and grow. But that's really how you do it. You, you go take the action. You review and you take more action based on the yeah. things that you did well and the right. things that you didn't do well, go and fix that a little bit and just focus act, on one thing at act a time. And then adapt and then act again. Act, adapt, act, yes. act, adapt, act. I love yes. it. Um, so hey, so one last thing. We're we're getting ready to wrap up here. I want to plug your you you have a Facebook group with speaking with confidence um mm. that has 500 people that that mm. are posting and learning and stuff. You also do coaching in groups. And you even do one-on-one -on -one coaching for people through speaking and communication, leadership communication. Talk to, talk a little bit about that and where can people find you? Yes. So I have the Speaking with Confidence, which is my free Facebook group, really helping you with speaking, with confidence, things of that nature. And so there's a lot, a lot of free content. Like you said, it's about 500 people. And then I've got my speaking sessions lounge group coaching. So we're in there. We do two calls a month. You get access to video training library and other digital content such as PDFs, how to's, things of that nature and the group to be able to ask questions all the time, be able to post in there and get feedback on your video. And we go through and talk about different topics around public speaking. And then right now, I only have one-on-one -on -one besides that at this point. I'm working on developing some workshops at the moment, which I should have within the next month, uh, have those workshops. But the one-on-one -on -one coaching is really catered to you. So it's customized one-on-one -on -one coaching for you. Typically, I'll spend six to 12 months with a client to help them really work through the different aspects. So sometimes we go a little bit into business because there are parts of speaking that and communication that really goes into the business aspect. But I really help you with not the ums and the ahs. That's a very basic thing. I really go more into the strategy behind that. So as you're getting ready for speeches, we talk through that. We look at your social media content. How you, can you be better to be able to get your message more clear and refined? And it's all customized to you on that one-on-one -on -one side. And who, what kind of clients do you, do you cater to when it comes to this one-on-one -on -one coaching? Typically people that are business owners, mainly the trades industry, but then also leaders of corporate background, Great. manufacturing can, more specific. And these people can also find you. If there's one of our listeners that, that identifies themselves as a potential client, they can find you at coachingsessions.com. Is that the best place to find you? Uh, speak, yeah, speaking sessions.com forward slash coaching. Or just speaking sessions.com. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to find out who owns coaching sessions and take that away from them. Right. Too. Speaking sessions.com. All right. Well, thank you, Philip. This has been a great podcast, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the success in South Carolina podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over. Are you still listening? Check out the next episode. <laughs>